This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 99. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Katia Sarmiento to the Baller Circle. Katia runs ReachAndMakeMillions.com, and I love the name of that uh, of her of her site because uh, it's so it's so you know straightforward. You know, it's like you read the name, you know exactly what it's about. It's not something that needs a lot of explanation. But uh, at this site, she helps six and seven figure digital small businesses scale up with the right systems and operations. Uh, she is an expert uh, at tech and systems. She's helped many businesses turn their messy stories around and become super successful, getting more profits, more time, and more freedom. And uh, I wanted to bring her on the show because I know that these skills of building systems that are effective uh, and kind of getting out of the mess, whether whether you're in a position where you're trying to start a business or you have a successful one, but you just can't figure out how to scale uh, Katia is definitely the right person that can uh, that can provide some insight uh, as to the best ways to get out of this. So, Katia, I'm happy uh, happy to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I am good, and I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, the the first thing I wanted to do is before we get into the, all the business stuff and start talking about systems and things like that, I wanted to get an idea of uh, kind of your backstory, where you grew up, and uh, if there was anything in particular that inspired you to want to be an entrepreneur in the first place. Yes. So <laughs> I've kind of always been an entrepreneur and been into the tech stuff. Like even as a kid, like I clearly remember my first computer, my first email address, you know, my dad giving me these DVDs and CDs about Adobe Photoshop and front page and all of this like technical stuff that I was learning at a young age. And um, I've just always been into it. I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. And, you know, I did the normal thing. I went to school and then I got into college. I got my full-time job that was supposed to be my career longer term. Everything was good. And then I found out there's such a thing as entrepreneurship <laughs> because there was somebody, I was making websites for free for people, for friends, for people that I met. Like we, I would barter with people a lot. And one person was like, look, if you actually start a business, like a legal entity and get your stuff together, I will refer all of my clients, all of my colleagues to you for money. And really? I was like, okay, nice. yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Cause I guess I had watched my dad. He had a, a social media marketing company. I had taught WordPress and I, you know, I like was said, I was doing SEO and, and setting up social media for people. I was like already doing all of this, but for free. And I was like, well, duh, I'll do it for money. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a kind of, I'm, I'm, no, I'm definitely an all or nothing type of person. So what I ended up doing, I was 18. I dropped out of college. I quit my job and I was like, I'm starting a business <laughs> online. I don't know what this is, but I'm going to do it. And obviously my family thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy, but it felt like the right thing to do. And it's just evolved from that. You know, I remember having these terrible arguments with my mom where she would 
you know, she'd be like, you're on the computer too much, get off. And they would shut off the Wi-Fi just so <laughs> I would go to bed. And I would wake up at two or three in the morning, turn it back on because I'm not stupid. I know how to turn on a router. <laughs> I know how to plug it back in. And I would go sneak down. No electronics were allowed in bedroom. So I had to literally sneak downstairs to my living room to, you know, work to continue working is basically what I wanted to be doing. And I remember these arguments with my mom and I would tell my mom, you're ruining my future. This is what I want to be doing. So I just, I, I knew I just needed the right opportunity to come up and it did. And ever since then, I've been helping entrepreneurs. It started with tech. It started with websites and technology and SEO and social media. And it's evolved more into like the deeper systems and operations and processes and delegation that needs to happen to actually grow a, a scalable, sustainable business. Nice, nice. I love that story. And it's super inspiring that, uh, you know, you, you had to like find these ways to sneak. I mean, as, and at such a very young age, you know, so many people are like, they, they want to go out and they're sneaking out of the house to go and, and, and you know, play with their friends or something like that. You're like, I'm sneaking downstairs to turn the Wi-Fi back on so I can keep yes, building those websites. Are the worst That's awesome. Arguments with my mom is like <laughs> getting me off the computer. And then also like entrepreneurial ventures. Like I used to rent out my car for like a thousand a week, which at my age was like amazing. And my mom didn't understand it. She was like, stop doing that. And I'm like, stop making money. That's what I'm hearing you tell me is stop making money because right. I'm paying for stuff. That's <laughs> so awesome. That's it's awesome. just part of who I am. Nice, nice, nice. So, so with this, um, you know, when you were saying your dad had a social media uh, marketing company, is that where you first learned a lot of this stuff? Or did you also take classes in addition to that? Were there other resources or was it mainly from your father's business? I, my dad definitely started me there and then I'm, I love learning. So I did a bunch of classes online on Udemy, on Code Academy and just from trial and error as well. And, you know, I've, I've made a ton of mistakes. I've taken a ton of courses and programs, joined masterminds, hired mentors. Like I, I've invested over a hundred thousand dollars into courses and programs and learning. Um, wow. Probably in the first few years. Yeah, it, that was the majority of the first few years. I, I over maxed out my credit cards on that one, okay? <laughs> I don't recommend anyone do that, but I did. And I learned, yeah, I, and I'm still learning to this day. I still, every every level, there's something new for me to conquer, or something new to free, for me to learn. So I hire the right mentors and I keep reevaluating, like, where am I at and where do I need to go and what do I need to know or who do I need to know to get there? Right, right. That's awesome. Along the way, when you were uh, learning all this stuff, were there any conferences that you were going to as well, or were you just focused on courses? Oh, yes, of course. No, I would go to every single conference I could get my hands on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Did you I have was, any favorites? I, I was really in it. Um, you know, actually, my favorites were actually more smaller private ones, like when I would do masterminds with like one specific person, and there were like maybe 15 people in it. I liked those the best because it was more intimate. I had more one-on-one -on -one time versus like the huge conferences where like you didn't really, like you learned a lot from a lot of people, but you didn't have that one-on-one -on -one time. So I, I preferred those intimate small retreats and business events where I could actually like get hands-on help from mentors. Cause I, I personally realized that you can learn a lot, but if you're not doing a lot, all of that learning goes to waste. So. <laughs> right, right. No, that's true. Yeah. And I think I, I, I probably I'm guilty of the same thing. I've, I think I've been to conferences yeah. where I've gotten a lot out of them. And then I've been to other conferences where 
like six months later, I'm like, I don't, I don't think, I can't think of one thing that I've really taken, you yeah. know, from that conference. Um, and uh, yeah, so I definitely know what you're talking about there. And the, the smaller, smaller environments do allow you to have that one-on-one time and ask your specific question and get the specific help uh, that you need. Yes. Cool. Cool. So I like that. All right. So, so then let's, uh, let's, let's jump into your business. So um, you, uh, you, you know, you said you had your, uh, that the person approach you saying, I'll give you all my, you know, I'll refer all my clients to you. If you start, you know, a business uh, with the websites officially, um, how, how did that eventually translate into what you're doing today? Yes. So there is actually a specific moment because, you know, I started this off and I was 18 and I was like, all right, you know, I'll just work with a bunch of people and try to make as much money as possible because I didn't know what else to do. Um, And so I started working for like, oh my God, I remember I made like six custom coded websites for maybe like a hundred bucks or something like that. And I was, it was just, it was so much work. Like custom coded as in like I was not using WordPress. Like I was literally writing line by line of code to make these websites and making the graphics and everything. It was like terrible. I don't recommend it. (laughs) And, you know, I started getting momentum. I started learning like, you know, how, how it works. Like you can't just like create a website and business cards and expect people to come to you. Like you actually have to do marketing. You have to be good at sales. You have to like find a problem that people have that people want to pay for you to solve and solve it for them. Um, you know, build up the referrals, build up the funnel online. I started learning all of that. But then what ended up happening is, you know, like, I got to about $8,000 a month, which was absolutely amazing because I was like, all my friends are in college and like working minimum wage jobs. And I'm like, here making $8,000 a month. So I like, I wasn't complaining, but I was really, really burnt out. You know, I was doing a lot by myself. I was working like so many hours. Like at that age, I think I turned 21 and I was like never going out and never having fun and all the parties, I would skip them. And I was like, I don't have time for this. I need to like run my business. I didn't show up. My business would either have a slow month or, you know, clients, like I had client deadlines and I had things going on that I just couldn't miss. And all of that led me very close to burnout. I caught it in time. Luckily I was was just feeling so exhausted and maxed out and just completely tapped out with clients. So I hired my first virtual assistant. And then I started hiring more team members. But then what happened was, you know, I hired these people, but I was still feeling maxed out and and I was still feeling overwhelmed with all the work that I had to do. And I, I actually, I moved from Miami, Florida to Atlanta, Georgia to move in with my boyfriend. And we moved into an apartment near his college and we lived there for a year and I started getting really, really sick. We ended up finding out there was toxic mold in that apartment and that's what made us sick. It was, it was really bad. But what happened was I would get sick, like so sick that I just couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And so I had these team members, but I didn't like, I, I, like if I didn't show up, the business just stopped working. (laughs) It was terrible. And so I noticed that, you know, this happens with a lot of entrepreneurs. It was happening with me. I was easily able to systemize other people's businesses. But of course, when it's your own stuff, it's like harder. So I had to really just stop, take a look at my business and be like, okay, what's going on here? Like, what am I 
you know, first off, what's my goal? I wanted to make more money, but I did not want to burn out in the process. And that was the direction I was headed. So, you know, some of the things I ended up having to do was I, I did have to let go of my team and some of my clients. I had to, I completely restructured my business model. Like I was, I, you know, I was trading time for dollars. Basically I had to create some passive income. I had to, um, you know, start letting go of things, you know, like sales calls, like things I really wanted to hold on to. Cause I didn't think anybody else could do them. And I, I just had to completely shift that mindset from being a worker in my business to a CEO of my business. Mm, I like that. I like that shift from being a worker in the business to being the CEO. Yeah. And that's cool. So, so how did you, how did you go about it? What was the, what was your, I guess we get into the systems and processes. What, what happened? Yes. Oh, so the first thing was completely restructuring my business. And I actually, I let go of, I, I had a digital agency and I'm not saying that agencies are bad or wrong. I'm just saying it's not for me. And so everybody's going to have a different way that they enjoy working. Some people feel more energized doing certain work. I know what energizes me. I know my genius work. So I had to restructure my business to, for me to spend most of my time on there. So I delegated things like email and social media management. I delegated, uh, or, you know, I started actually being more picky with sales calls at first, not taking everybody uh, making sure I was very clear on who my clients were, setting up a proper funnel for that because, you know, I had to, I had to really dial in on who I should be speaking with and who like who I can actually support versus just talking to anybody and everybody because I wanted to help everybody. Mm. And so I had to set up those funnels. I had to set up those systems. I had to hire team members that were very specific to that that were better at me better than me at the things I didn't enjoy doing, you know, hmm. because I really enjoy setting up systems for people. I really don't enjoy emails and social media. I don't enjoy sales calls. I don't enjoy like writing and stuff like that. So I had, had to hire people better than me. And then I had to set up the systems for them to be able to keep going with or without me. So I documented everything. I set up standard operating procedures, which are basically like checklists and um, uh, processes completely documented either in video or image or text format. And, you know, I also started a second company with my partner, Scott Oldford, and I did the same thing in this company. I, I said, okay, how can we run this business with or without us showing up every day? I hired people that were better than us. I documented everything. And I just kept asking myself if, if me or Scott, if I cannot show up for one month, what will happen and what do I need to set up so that the business doesn't completely implode or, or just completely stop without me, you know? Yeah. Nice. So, so you, so you go through this process of setting up all these automated things, you do your SOPs and, and, uh, and I love the fact that you, you know, you, you were able to figure out how to pull yourself away from the business. Cause like you said, if, you know, if, if you have to be there every single day, you can never step away from it. And that's, huge burden to have on your shoulders mm -hmm. and it's hard to scale. So, so when you, I guess when you, when you meet a client, um, and they're, and they come to you, um, what are the most common problems that you hear people talk about, um, from, from, I guess your, your, your time of working with clients? Yeah. So the most common is that actually I, 
I, I tend to look at their project management systems if they have any, because sometimes the main problem is they don't even have any systems at all whatsoever. Like they've built up this successful business and they have all this momentum and they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants and they don't have any systems. So that's definitely one of them. Mm. But if they do have systems, it's like they're still holding on really tight to a lot of things. Like if you look at a to-do list, it's like, are, is this a CEO's to-do list? Or is this a worker's to-do list? Mm -hmm. I always ask that question. It's like, and then the same, the same question as before. Like, if you disappeared for 30 days, is your team empowered enough to be able to handle these responsibilities? Sometimes people aren't, like, empowering their team to make their own decisions, to stop coming to the CEO, to ask, like, hey, can you do this for me? Or, hey, how do I do this? You know, documenting like I, the other thing I see is people delegating and then getting pissed off when things aren't done right. And it's like, well, did you tell them how you wanted it done? Were you detailed? Did you document it? Did you show them how you would normally do it? Like it's as easy as maybe recording your screen while talking out your thought process, you know? So those are some of the common problems. And it's just, I think the biggest red flag is that they're at max capacity and have been at max capacity for a while. So let's say that's 15 clients and that they're maxed out. What if there's referral partners saying, hey, we have more people, uh, you know, balls are being dropped, details are being missed with clients. And obviously now that, you know, they have the successful business, they have a lot of eyes on them. So it's like, okay, but your, rep your reputation's on the line. So you need to do something now because it's either you're, you're going to burn out, your team is going to get frustrated and not enjoy their work and not want to work with you. And your clients are going to be pissed because they're not getting results because they're not getting what you promised because you're like over maxed out and it's just very chaotic and unorganized. Right. Mm, yeah. So those are usually the biggest red flags that I see personally with clients. Okay, cool. And that, and that sounds, uh, yeah, I can see that being big problems. So, so when a client comes to you, um, and they outline, you know, they say, I want to work with you. What are the, what, I guess, what are the questions that you ask? How do you figure out like the best, um, solutions that, uh, to provide for them? Yeah. The first, first step is auditing everything. So figuring out what is your goal? What are you working towards? Because it, it's so surprising. It's like, there's so much going on and it's so chaotic. And it's like half of that stuff isn't even pushing you towards your goal most of the time. So we can cut out half of that work already. Then it's like, okay, where are you spending your time? Are you, as a CEO, are you spending your time in your genius work? in work that you do really, really well, that you absolutely enjoy, that excites you, that energizes you. Usually, I, like I work with very creative people, so they like being the visionary, the strategist, you know, the creative in the business, but then 80% of their time is spent in the execution of the strategy. And I'm like, but why, if you're so good at strategy, what would happen if you spent 80% of your time there? And they're like, oh my God, my business would explode. I'm like, exactly, so now let's delegate that. Usually, so like that's usually what we have to do is delegate or give it to a team member or automate some of that execution because it's like you don't need to be spending that much time inside your business. You need to be outside of it. You need to be working on it rather than in it. Right. Um, and so that's that's always the first thing that happens. I see it time and time again. It's the CEO, and I'm like, okay, dude, you need to like get back in your in your lane. Let your team do what they do best, and let's automate. And like and like once you see where your time is spent. It's like, is your time being spent in emails? Okay, so like we need to figure out if we're going to automate it, if we're going to have somebody else answer emails. Like once you actually realize 
And like one of the best tools for this is rescue time. It's free and you install it on your computer. It runs in the background. And then every week it gives you a report of all the time you spent on your laptop, on your computer, what websites you went to, what tools you used. And you could start to tell exactly where your time is going. Ah, that's awesome. And you could, you could automate or delegate most of that. Okay. Okay, cool. Huh, I'm going to start using that tool myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so with this, uh, I guess the work that you're doing with your clients, um, when you, once you get people, I guess, to a point where they're, you know, they're scaling the business and they're, you know, outsourcing a lot of the stuff that, that they, that they have. Um, I guess I, I feel like the fear that a lot of people have is once I'm not involved in the day to day of the business, someone else who's in my business could just replicate everything I'm doing and just take my, take my business. Right. Um, mm -hmm. how do you prevent that? Yeah. Well, that's actually an opportunity versus a risk because what if you could replicate your business? You could like, it doesn't have to be somebody else doing that. You can. So I actually have a client who's doing this right now where they're acquiring other people's businesses and just, they want to stamp their business processes, like take it and copy and paste it over to this other person's business that they just acquired. And now they have two businesses or now they have three, four, five businesses. And that's more revenue, more growth with, like no work because they've basically already had it set up in one area and they're replicating it in other businesses because, and then the other thing is like, people can't really replicate you. They can't really replicate your values, your mission, your purpose, your way of doing things. And you're also checking in. Like, you know, if you don't have contracts in your business, if you don't have a lawyer, you're going to be screwed one way or another, <laughs> like, you know, protect yourself, obviously. But that's actually like, once you have your business super systemized and you don't have to be in the day-to-day -day things, like you can definitely check up. And, you know, my clients and I, we set up reports, we set up systems so that they're in the know of what's going on. But basically like, you know, I set up the systems for bots or business. Andrew just can take it and run with it. He acquired it. He's using the systems we set up. Nobody can really tell a difference unless he decides to be like, oh, well, bots or business is closing down and we're doing something different. You know, he can just continue to run the systems and that's little to no work on his part. So now he has two businesses that he's running with not as much uh, not as much effort because you don't have to build up that momentum and start completely from scratch, you know? Right, right. That makes sense. Okay. So let's, let's talk about that. I mean, you're able to build this business so quickly. Um, what, what, I guess, what were you doing? And I guess in such a short period of time to be able to start this company, build it up and, and put it in a position where someone actually wanted to buy it. Yeah, I was doing systems and operations. You know, Scott is really, really good at marketing and sales. And so he was doing that. And I was like, okay, how can we systemize this? How can we automate this? How can we hire this? Because I like I, I see this time and time again with my clients is like once we've got everything documented, everything systemized, even if you don't want to sell it, it is really beneficial to have the operations well thought out because let's say you get sick for 30 days or let's say you want to take a vacation or a break or let's say somebody wants to acquire your business. Are you ready for that? You know, do you have a plan for that or is it? just kind of like a, Oh, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe, maybe not, maybe nothing's going to happen or maybe it's not going to work out well, you know? So it actually like the systems part is something I've always done 
I, it's also something I realized, like when I did have jobs, I would systemize things in those businesses. I would be the one documenting things, um, for, and giving those documentations and trainings to managers and stuff. I just always kind of, I, I can't turn that part off of in my brain. Like I have like SOPs for my personal life even. <laughs> <laughs> so usually when my clients are super like systemized in their business, we have their processes and operations. We usually move over to their personal life. Cause now they're like, I have so much time on my hands. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> Help me fix this. <laughs> nice, nice. That's awesome. So uh, someone who's thinking about uh, creating a business and uh, they want to sell it, um, what what exactly should they be doing to, to prepare themselves to make sure their business is sellable? What do they need to be thinking about that, that, they, that I guess some a lot of people aren't thinking about? Yes. So actually, it's a good balance between growth and scale. And so let me define those two things because that confuses people. Growth is the actual physical increase. So growing in numbers like, you know, your revenue, your client base, your audience, your email list, that is growth. That obviously needs to happen. So like with Scott, Scott was growing those numbers for us. And then I was scaling those numbers. So scaling is your ability to handle the, the pressure of workload. So if I were to give you... 20 clients right now today and you had to start working on them today would you be able to handle it and if not that means you need to scale you need to set up systems you need to de delegate you need to automate so it's a balance of both because if you're systemizing and you don't even have a client base or you're not making money you're working on the wrong thing you need to grow first and then you need to scale at the right time. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't know how to balance this. And it, you know, it happens. It's hap I've almost burnt out like maybe two or three times already in the past like five years. It happens. You, it's, you start to learn where you're, you're it, it's actually like a bandwidth thing. It's like, how much can you take? How much growth can you take before it's like, all right, now I need to like scale this up. I need to systemize this because I can't take anymore. Right. So it's a good balance between both of those because I'll admit I am the type of person, like when I first started, I was systemizing, I was perfecting, I was making sure I can handle the clients before I even had the clients, right? It's like building out a whole like course curriculum without even knowing if anybody wants to buy it. Like that's kind of backwards. So you do, if you're starting out, you do need to focus on growth first, get your, you know, validate your idea, get the clients, get the customers, grow in revenue. And then when you're, feeling at that kind of like, all right, I'm about to hit my max point, start thinking about, okay, how can I do more of what works? How can I serve more clients? How can I grow my revenue in a way that doesn't require me to work twice as hard? Hmm. I like that. I like that. And I, I love the distinction between growth and scale because I, I don't hear people making that distinction very often. So I'm glad you, you clarified that. Yeah. Um, and it's the words are thrown around a lot, so it confuses people. So I always try to make that cl that clear because <laughs> right. it makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it's, and it's really important to differentiate differentiate between the two and know when it's appropriate for your business to do one or the other or both. Um, yes. OK, awesome. Well, Katya, I'm really happy to have you on the show. I'm glad you came and provided a lot of insight and uh, the process you work with your, your customers. Sounds pretty awesome. Uh, and uh, I wanted to know. Uh, before we close out, two things. One, uh, if you had any more resources like the one you mentioned earlier that you think people should um, uh, should should be using, and then two, 
how can the baller circle learn more about you and your business? Yes. So think about it. Rescue time is a really good one. And then if I really had to say another resource, there's this tool called Focuster. And what it is, is like freaked out with their calendars and they're like, well, I scheduled it in, but I didn't get it done. So you have to kind of keep rescheduling. So Focuster lets you create a to-do list and it automatically schedules that into your calendar. And one thing that I train all of my clients with is like, if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. Mm. Don't keep it in your head. Don't keep it in like a piece of paper somewhere, like put it on the calendar. And that way I can take a look at somebody's calendar and be like, okay, you're focused. If this is your goal, you're focused on the right things. Or if I look at their calendar and it's like, you need, you need to completely change your priorities because this is, this is not pushing you towards your goal. Like you could obviously see that. And so all of these tools, rescue time, focuster, even like Facebook newsfeed eradicator, things like that to help you actually like tune in, get in the zone, focus on reaching your goal and make like having a clear picture of like, Oh, well, here rescue time or focuster is telling me that like, I'm not really spending time on the right things or like, Oh my God, I just checked Facebook for the 10th time. And I see my newsfeed is gone. So there's nothing to check anymore. So let me get back to work or let me go get off the computer and hang out with family and travel and enjoy my life. Cause that's another thing I see. Mm-hmm. So those are usually the tools that I recommend because aside from that, you know, I'm, I'm I say I'm tool agnostic because I'm not going to force somebody into like Infusionsoft if, if Infusionsoft doesn't make sense for their email marketing goals, right? So you after that point, I use Rescue Time to f- help me figure out and obviously like the goals and where the business is at to figure out what other systems and tools and resources are a best fit for that client, right? Okay, okay. Sounds good. Awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, and then, you know, your audience, if you're listening to this, you can find me at reachandmakemillions.com or I'm everywhere on social media, got the Sarmiento reach and make millions. Don't hesitate to reach out. I, I like, I respond to like all my messages and comments and I'm constantly on, I think like Facebook is probably my favorite. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. Well, Katya, thank you very much for coming on the show and, uh, have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the internet ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be sharing another story of yet another inspiring internet baller. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.